0: i boys. Welcome to Red Eye, a conversation series where V and I sit down and have the type of conversations you would have on a red eye flight late at night when the world is asleep. All sorts of thoughts can pop in your mind and we keep things thoughtful and entertaining as we discuss these ideas. Today we got a lot going on but uh you know first and foremost V has come out to uh formerly sunny now cloudy LA. Uh, I how you the, how you enjoying your West Coast West Coast time V? I
1: brought the I brought the the gloomy gloomy weather with me but I, and that's what I thought until I, I've been speaking to you, LA folks, and it seems like everyone is really, really depressed that this, this, these last couple of months have not been quite as sunny as, as everybody in Southern
0: California is used to. No, everyone's just, everyone's pissed. <laughs> everyone's like, where's the sun? I don't pay this rent <laughs> this, to live in the clouds. This.
1: this isn't what I paid for. Yeah. <laughs> Create, make some artificial sun. Uh, exactly uh, la is such a very interesting place to me because it's obviously i mean la proper right it's obviously a very beautiful place on the ocean but there's just so many within that kind of like natural beauty
0: is so much like filth and dirt <laughs> yeah well and here's the thing bro it's like it, cardale jones said it best right i didn't come here to play school god damn it I didn't- <laughs> that's how i feel about la i didn't come here to play school i came here to be around some great weather and enjoy the vibe and you know live by the beach i did not come here to sit down and experience just clouds and rain week after week after week for no apparent reason
1: yeah it's uh it's interesting. Like I would definitely demand some some rent concessions for this this weather if I lived out here. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Governor New- Governor Newsom, like do do right by the people. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, exactly.
1: But um, you know, it's interesting nonetheless. I mean, I think this it is f- very very odd. I mean, they made the song "It Never Rains in Southern California," and it seems like this has been like winter. You guys have had snow, like. You've had a worse winner than some, some of the nickels. <laughs> yeah, Newcastle dude.
0: City. It snowed twice. <laughs> what yeah. is going on? I but know. I also wanted to comment. Um, so we, we watched this amazing kind of catastrophe this weekend with Silicon Valley Bank over the last week or so. Yeah. Silicon Valley Bank, for our listeners, a bank founded about 30 years ago on the premise that startups in Silicon Valley could use a different banking partner that better understands their deal structures, better understands how their businesses work and is willing to do loans that, you know, on the surface may seem more speculative, but their philosophy was um, that because they know the industry, that they are better judge of the risk relative to like a traditional approach to evaluating risk on startup type of loans. So this bank, honestly, like amazing value props for startups, really great product offerings, really, really... Great value created was a huge, huge part of the startup scene in the West Coast and really all over the country. They host events all the time, hosted events all the time. They were really, really great connectors in terms of um, how they played roles in cities. I have a lot of friends who have worked or worked at uh, or at Silicon Valley Bank, and uh, over the last couple of weeks, um, the very same people that you know they they took the risk to support. Uh, stabbed him in the back here. Uh, there was a run on the back bank from um, really just a swarm of venture capitalists who, you know, whether it was fear or collusion or whatever is going on there, um, there were a lot of emails going around the startup community urging founders to move their money out of their bank accounts from Silicon Valley Bank and get somewhere else. That's been happening for about two weeks. And it got public uh, when there was a liquidity issue. Or Silicon Valley Bank based on a bond position they took. They had to create more common stock and sell it. They put out a press release about that. And this press release created a mass panic because there was a smaller regional bank in the Bay Area that went out of business the same day as the press release. And so a lot of folks felt that this was a sign of fear um, and made a move. And kind of in the background, quietly, what people are not talking about is that startups All across the industry, we're moving their money all across really the country. We're moving their money out of Silicon Valley Bank. And so you have this, this, you know, liquidity issue where they don't have enough cash for their shareholders, but they're getting bailed out by the government. And I think this just goes to show us kind of two things. One, I think like what's wrong with America in terms of how the government responds to things that should be dealt with karmically i think is one topic but i think kind of beyond all of that you just see the power of fear and the power of somebody's mind and the power of just a choice to move your money from one bank to another and you see the just incredible reper- repercussions that can have across the market um you know when it's done in conjunction and like for somebody my age 08 i was in high school so This is my first time being in the market and experiencing um, a coordinated kind of fear oriented move like this. And um, it just makes me look like, honestly, like the only thing I think, bro, and this is like so I feel like kind of a douchebag for saying this. But like I look at all of these people moving their money out of Silicon Valley Bank and like like all the venture capitalists who text each other to tell their startups to move it. And I'm just like, you guys are pussies. Like He literally like can't stand with a partner regardless. Knowing that in this country banks get bailed out, knowing that in this country that this is a pretty pretty safe place to park cash, the one group that's gone out of their way from a risk profile tolerance to foster this community, the same community just immediately turned around and screwed them the second that they had a chance. And I think it shows us what's wrong with venture capital. It shows us what's wrong with tech
1: yeah I mean the fact the thing is as an investor, just the name Silicon Valley Bank scares me would scare me away from ever investing in it based on what you just said about the personalities of v c s and attaching your bank's stability on on an industry that is very unstable and we're seeing through covid and through kind of the economic climate that why they're struggling as much it's easy it's easy to like build a bunch of companies when all you're doing is spending other people's money and not being concerned about being profitable anytime soon, but having the runway to to spend whatever you need, even if it's a hundred million, a hundred million, or even a billion dollars to get there. In some situations, it's just like that model itself. To me, is is built in in a heavy amount of risk, and I think it's also very important for for people to underscore and understand, like that when you put your money in a bank people still have this mindset that they're putting their money into into a bank and that money is there in their account what's happening is that you're putting in money into the bank and the bank is then investing and 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 taking risk with that money like everybody else obviously there's a diverse number of offerings they're making money through the interest um on that cash but that then they kind of have almost autonomy to be able to take your money and everybody else's money and decide what to do with that, um, to grow the value of the bank itself, you know, and they, they might, you know, on a savings account, you might see 1% of that (laughs) literally 1%, but that's what they're doing is they're making these decisions and Silicon Valley bank itself was clearly one of the underlying issues here was their asset allocation was very risky you know they were they were taking deposits cryptocurrency deposits basically anything that's on cutting edge and innovative within silicon valley they were helping foster the growth of these kind of concepts and ideas through the bank and like you said i think a handful of folks um for whatever reason um and we don't know exactly what it is but fear comes from failure right and i think there's a tremendous amount of fear within within the VC community because they don't know how to operate under no- this is normal. Like to build a business, you're supposed to know how to operate with limited funding, with limited resources, and and make it work. I feel like this is kind of like as you said earlier, um, basically a, a a saying what what needs to be said about this VC community and and. How there needs to be more checks and balances, how it it, it it needs to actually lead to the development of businesses that matter, not just feeding the egos and the bank accounts of the handful of founders who come up with ideas. Oftentimes, you know how many situations these founders, their businesses fail, but they walk away with tens of millions of dollars. That's not that's not a, a system that should should be encouraged.
0: Yeah. When I and I I I think it needs to be said and I think founders are extremely afraid of saying this because of the repercussions but venture capitalists in general need to be checked because mm-hmm. there is no quality standard in that industry. The only prerequisite to be a venture capitalist is to be convincing
1: mm-hmm. to
0: somebody with money. And venture capitalists use a myriad of irrational arguments that serve to make them sound smarter than the person they're talking to, to position their value prop.
1: Yeah. And if you look at most of the people who are in these VCs, they're like, you know, young, a lot of them, I'm not going to say most of them, but a lot of them, they're, they're taking, they're plucking these inexperienced young Ivy league grads and putting in a, putting them in a position to make decisions on large sums of money where the only experience that they have is studying it in a textbook like yes. that's the other thing that bothers me is like how can somebody lead be your lead um fund manager for for a specific sector um without ever having built a company themselves without ever even having worked for decades in an industry to understand you know what's a good investment what's a good buy and what's a, what's a bad buy it can't just be based on hey, let's, let's analyze the books. It's like there's there's got to be something that's more deep. And like you said, it's about the responsibility that we place on these folks. There has to be some quality standard and the type of people who are responsible for, for developing and growing these deals. Because almost every conversation I've had with a VC, I always have to deal with a learning curve to actually get them to get it. Yeah. like and and you you know and you've had more of these calls than I've ever had but it's just very frustrating because it's like why do you have your job and why are you paid as well as you're paid if you, everything comes from you being the middleman like the founders of the companies have to educate you on their business and then on the other side you sell to a whole bunch of a whole bunch of folks based on their trust in you when the you're they're putting trust in you and you're not even the one that's truly responsible for the success or failure of the business. Right. Yeah. Like having this middleman between it should it should be an open format where, you know, any accredited investor, um, they can research the founders of startups can put all their business information out and then they can pitch directly, even the need of having this middleman, this is true in a, in a lot of things in America that piss me off. Like the real estate industry is another one you're telling me that every real estate transaction i have to have a real estate agent and a broker and pay those fees and a title company like this is what america like kind of thrives on and kind of the dark underbelly of of our capitalist structure is there's just a whole bunch of people eating off of other people's plates that they don't do anything except for literally operate as the middleman between And
0: the irony is if you look at who's rich most of the people who's rich were eating off other people's plates. They never yeah. made anything themselves. You know what's very interesting, and I read this
1: um, the other day. Fun fact is, like everybody thinks that Jeff Bezos became a billionaire because of Amazon, and the truth is that's not that's not how he became a billionaire. He became a billionaire because he was friends with Sergey, pa- <laughs> Sergey Brin and Larry um, Page, and they get, he was one of the earliest investors in Google, and that's mm. actually how. Alphabet, let's call him Alphabet now. Uh, And it was Google at the time. But that's how he became a billionaire and had the money to grow Amazon. Amazon didn't make him rich. It was knowing the right folks and getting an opportunity to get in on something early
0: that blew up. I didn't know that. That's a really interesting tidbit. And I think what a lot of people also don't know is that Bill Gates has never invented anything in his life. Mm -hmm. All he's done is take things other people had Make them incredibly mediocre, and then sell them to people. That's, well, he did. He
1: the one thing he did he did
0: help create MS DOS, which is like he, no, he, he didn't. He didn't create it. He
1: bought it. I thought that he was involved in the coding of that. I didn't know that. I thought always. No,
0: thought yeah that. he he took basically the entirety of Microsoft and everything Bill Gates has done has been taking other things and then repackaging them under his brand and selling them and acting like. There was an innovation because they were involved in it. But if you look at his business tactics on his rise, they've been brutal. If you look at his nonprofit work, there's not a dollar that he'll spend to give back to the world that he doesn't have, you know, a future stake in that same market. Yeah. And you look at like why do we respect that? Why do we respect people who come into our society? And just absolutely drain the life out of an economy that people are, you know, breaking their back to support. Right. And it's like that to me is like the issue with wealth power. And then I'll tie in like venture capital in here because venture capital to me, there's good venture capitalists. Don't get me wrong. There are good venture capitalists. But they're not the most popular ones. <laughs> no. Most of them are horrible. And okay. most of them are out here because of their egos. They're not out here because they want to help startups. They just, they just want to be in a power position over the kids that were smarter than them in the, school. Yeah, that, That's I mean, the reality. Like All right. the VCs, like they're
1: not that smart. And Bartha, you know this. We had these conversations while it was happening. The whole, the whole SPAC run. I was just like these guys are clowns, yeah, and eventually they got exposed for being that, but like when uh, things were good, the media started embracing these guys as some sort of superhuman special specially talented people, and it's just like, wait, they don't do anything except for use their name to get a whole bunch of money to 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 prop up a business that ninety percent of the time doesn't succeed ninety eight percent of the time ends up failing, but they walk away, you know, and Chamath is the biggest example of this. They walk away rich, but what have you done to create value into the world that deserves what you're taking out of it? Like, that's the thing for me is it's like, I'm not, I don't like making the the general argument. It's like, you know, because people are obsessed with money, but I think there's a fair proposition of you should get paid based on the value that it's generating for society, not the value that you're extracting. By yes. taking advantage of society's rules there's nothing wrong with becoming a billionaire for for creating something that has or, a multi- or even
0: scaling something you yeah. don't even have to invent it
1: yeah there yeah. there's nothing wrong with that but there's a, there is this whole concept within the world and it started with gordon gecko when he said greed is good and that's like taking in there's something that happens to human beings too like once they get that first million they become greedier with money not more loose with money you know what i mean and they also the power complex of like knowing that you have the power to be able to to impact society however you want to i think that that really has been it's damaging as well like you're seeing it with like you know elon's losing a lot of fans now because people were not his fans people who respected him are like Wait, this doesn't make sense. Like you you changed <laughs> you changed space, you changed the automobile industry. Why are you getting into this bloodbath of of the social media wars? It doesn't fit your value prop and it's an ego play, right? Because it doesn't. It's not built in his foundation as an engineer. It's 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 outside of that. And that's where I think the society like when you have no checks on what you can and can't do then um, it goes back to the same thing. Is he qualified? Is he qualified to take this position just because he has enough money to buy the company? Is that the right person to take over the company? That's what these corporate, a lot of corporate raiders do as well Is it's like they see an opportunity to extract value quickly. So they'll come in and buy up a company and then just exit.
0: When- yeah. The irony of that logic too is that it's really easy to use that logic to exclude people from industries too, mm-hmm. to say, is this the right person? You see that in pro sports ownership, right? Mm-hmm. You can say, oh, that that's just not the right fit. Same thing you'll hear in venture, same thing you'll hear across a lot of these markets. Anytime power is involved, oh, that person's not the right fit. That's a really easy way to just not have a real reason for not wanting something to happen just using your own biases and it's like that's that to me is like it's the biggest double-edged sword in our society because i think it's there's like an individual perspective of you should be doing things for the right reason and if not karma is going to get you on that right and then there's the societal side of like for whatever reason, some people feel like they need to be the gatekeepers of what happens and what doesn't. And you know, you can extend that to venture, take it to the music industry. A bunch of ANRs out here doing the same shit, acting like gatekeepers, trying to leverage power. It's it's the same game. In, Everybody is it just eating off different. of
1: all. There's all of these ecosystems and all of these industries, and we were actually just talking about this that is set up to eat off of other people's plates. Versus creating their own place. And that's the thing that's, it's like, you know, there is no record deal that any artist signs that is not more favorable to the record label than it is to them. Yeah. And, you know, there's obviously arguments for that. The risk, the labels are taking risks on on many artists. One of them has to hit. Most of them are operating at losses. I get all of that, but they're operating at losses because they're cannibalistic operations. In the sense that they just want to make sure that everybody who's involved, whether it's the CEO, whether it's the, the the VPs, that they're all getting their large bonuses. They're all getting, and even within the ANRs, you'll see everybody's looking out for themselves. It's not about, let's make sure that we put the artist in the best position to succeed. It's how do we put the artist in the best position for us to make as much money off of this artist as possible. and. I just, I mean, from a from a, a, a capitalist greed standpoint, it makes a lot of sense, but it, it's now hard to understand why the quality of things in America continues to decline. It's because yeah. of these systems.
0: And I, I just want to say this. You, did you hear about what happened on Friday with Silicon Valley Bank? No, I didn't. All the executives took bonuses. Of course. Right, right, because they're getting bailed out, so... They, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they do. And I think, to your point, there's this game that we play in society of balancing the consequences of like not supporting. Like, if the government doesn't step in, it can lead to a much larger situation that's much worse for everybody in the country. But at the same time, as the people in that seat you're going to tell me it was ethical to take that bonus the last day your company is being operated by you right before you hand it over to the government because you all couldn't do a good enough job.
1: I mean, we—it's there when when there are no consequences, that whole concept of too big to fail, um, like even, even Biden coming out yesterday and saying, we're going to bail them out, but it's not going to cost taxpayers anything. It just shows you
0: how delusional... Yeah. Well, you uh, know where that... I read about that. That's from a fund that banks contributed to, I believe. Do you know about this? No, I don't. So there's like a separate fund that banks have been contributing to as a bailout fund that I believe was set up about a decade ago. So that's where their bailout money is coming from. It's not coming from the tax base, is mm-hmm. is what they're saying.
1: But it's gonna, it's gonna, it, it'll it's impact terrific. the taxpayer pay for, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. There literally is nothing the government does that doesn't doesn't operate on taxpayer money, and I just think it's the the statement itself is is bothersome. Not just because it's incorrect, but it speaks to a mindset and philosophy um, that that these folks have, which is it doesn't matter that this bank failed. Uh, We're just going to tell everyone what what they want to hear, so they're not upset about it. You know, a sixty billion dollar check—that's good about. That's what they're estimating. You know what sixty billion dollars can 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 be used for? It could solve all of the crime issues in this country for the rest of time. It could it could create it could create economic stimulus that leads to more people, less people being below the poverty line. Like it, it not that sixty billion shouldn't be invested in bailing a bank out, right? And that's that's where they're they're, not
0: and not only bailing the bank bro this is this is the the worst part sorry to interrupt you yeah bailing out bad venture capitalists
1: bad business they're being rewarded for doing business poorly yeah and that's not that's not the system that you're taught as a kid you know but as you get older if, if
0: you're handling cash reserves in the millions it's basic business to understand your FDIC limits mm. and to not have too much cash in an account.
1: That's <laughs> you know, basic
0: business, and you move to a higher level bank if you have more than that. I read a
1: funny story about Giannis. Uh, basically, he put 250k in like 50 different banks just so as should <laughs> so as that he, he would should. have he yeah. would, he wouldn't be over the FDIC insurance limit as he should
0: bro and i mean i think that's the thing right is like there's practices here and if if you want to put more money in the bank you should have to buy insurance on that money
1: yeah i mean there's just it's just the, the the system itself is corrupted and the thing is it's the thing with these conversations sometimes is people will be quick to label you when you say there's better uses of this money for society oh he's a socialist and it's like no i'm a capitalist I, I believe in the fundamentals of, of capitalism because I do think it, it, it leads to more innovation
0: than well, it's actually other. It's actually the capitalistic perspective yeah. to not give money back to the wealthy. Like what the action from the government is a socialist action. It's not a yeah, capitalist action. Exactly. I think
1: that's, that's, that's a great
0: that's, point that yeah. for you voicing that perspective, you're labeled socialist just because you're trying to help people or you're saying there's a higher ROI here but yep. in fact it's the most rational perspective to take which is punish the people who created the circumstance with their own karma that they deserve
1: i mean and that's the a principle of, of capitalism is that it's a self-checking system if something is not meant to succeed it will fail and you have to let it fail you know what i mean um but within anybody who truly believes that america's a truly capitalist system doesn't understand how this system works it is yeah. a, they are taking taxpayer money from from citizens and using it to fund whatever they want to fund, which is arms, banks, and bailouts. you know what i mean yeah. and it's like it's it's fine, but don't you know it, it, it's just it's deeper than than the simple oh we're capitalists and it's it's quite frankly part of the reason we have as many problems as many issues is because of the way. That the system is structured to to continue to bail out people, and they just print more money, and yeah. that's the other thing that that bothers me is the discretion that the government has to just print more money in a high inflationary environment. It reduces the worth of the money of the people, the hardworking people who are saving toward their four hundred one k just to have five hundred thousand dollars in the bank at sixty. They're not. They're 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 suffering for. For the the what, the lack of accountability for everybody who seems to have unlimited money, makes
0: yeah. I mean they're suffering because Peter Thiel wants to run for president again. Yeah, it's. I mean it's that's how that's how it all breaks down. It's like the thing that gets me about it too, bro. Is like you look at venture, you look at finance, you look at banking, you look at politics. Where do all those people come from? Toxic ass frat culture in yeah. college. it's it's from childhood you see this exact oligarch class Mm -hmm. living a different life why are the the Jenners and Kardashians so wealthy it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense why are there just a few families that seem to always be in a position of leverage and power it's because the other families are keeping them there that are trying to vie for control and they work in a way where they justify their actions as great as for the greater good, but their actions simply only benefit a small group of people and it preserves their status and their power. And I think this is a perfect example of us as a society being complicit with that shit.
1: 100%. And, you know, it's, it's something that I, I've wrestled with for a long time, but the reality, you know, and this is a harsh reality that we all have to face, is that the game is what the game is. And so although you should not compromise your character and who you are, you have to understand aspects of the game. And that's why I encourage, for example, everyone to invest in, in, in the stock market because it is one of those systems that is set up by, the, by that power structure. So it's set up and to, to be propped up to not fail, right? It is yeah. one of those too big to fail things investing in oil and gas, investing in banks, it's like you. once you start to understand it, you take away the emotional part of it and you, you think very pragmatically and practically and not saying that you should think like these people think, but adjust to the fact that that's if, if you're playing the wealth creation game, you've got to play the game the way that the people who are creating the wealth for themselves and separating themselves from the rest of society You have to at least align with their thinking if that's the game that you're trying to play.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a that's a great point. And, you know, that's like the segue and the takeaway that one should have from this is if you choose to play the game, it's a dirty, messy game. And if you're an outsider coming in, you're likely to be a scapegoat. Mm -hmm. If you're okay with that, take the path. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like exactly what we talk about all the time, which is choose your suffering. There is another reality in which you don't have a billion dollars, but you have a few million dollars and your lifestyle is basically exactly the same, but you don't have to deal with bullshit. And I think it's important for everyone to ask themselves, does it matter how much wealth I have? Does it even affect anything or does it matter a lot more about am I growing my own food at my house? At least like some freaking basil, man, like learn how to take care of yourself, learn how to like be a little bit more self-reliant so that if somebody wants to attack you financially, it doesn't affect your ability to to enjoy your life, you know, work toward owning a home, right? Quickly in a market that it makes sense so that people can't take your land from you. Don't buy a house and lease the land, own the land you live on, yeah. like fundamental things that you should do to protect yourself in this society so that nobody can come after you in that way. And still they can because of eminent domain because of, you know, if they, if they want to develop, they'll just buy as much land around you as possible and make it not enjoyable to live there anymore. Like there's a lot of ways people can still come after you, but you do have to play a level of defense.
1: Of course. And the thing is like, when you actually look at data and you study the numbers, you realize that you're playing, you have to understand that the odds are stacked against you. Even, even to this day, Less than three percent of the country is net worth millionaires. Liquidity-wise could has a million dollars, and that's the goal that everyone has and aspires to. So I look at that and say there's two things. Society, even though it's 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 stressful, um, continues to survive despite the fact that 97% of people are not millionaires. But this idea that everyone is kind of aspiring to that goal, it's one. It hasn't changed. Those numbers don't change. It's going to, it's still going to be 3% 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So just realize that you're playing a game, which the odds are stacked against you. And I think that's another thing that I think is critical for us as human beings to understand is to play the games that are stacked in your favor, figure out what your advantage is and take advantage of that versus trying to play someone else's game all the time and think that they're going to let you be the winner of a game that they control and dictate, you got to figure out what the value system is for you. Like you said, like you don't have to be a millionaire to have a self-sustaining farm where you grow all your food and, and, and you're living a comfortable lifestyle on 20000 $30,000 a year. That's possible. Don't let people make you believe that you got to constantly make more money. It's like, what are you doing with what you have versus chasing what other people have?
0: Yep. And I think like I also really, really want to make this point about business. If you want to create something, build something, the most important thing that you can do is have a business partner that you know deeply on a human level that's Mm -hmm. part of that community of wealth and power. Yep, it's critical. Find a a billionaire son or somebody you went to college with that you get along with that is going to play that has that has
1: empathy, some empathy for the fact that they, or at least the self awareness to see that they're in a privileged situation. Right? And they they see an opportunity to help uh, other other people out. And the one thing I will have, I will, you know, I will say in America, one community. Um, that is as is, is much better than than other communities that this is the jewish american community they are much more willing to share their trade secrets with people that they see are going to are ambitious um and just need an opportunity you see that throughout but it's just that that really is there is a reason that that's
0: true yeah we did a lot of trashing finance on this but i think it, it is well worth saying that it's a necessary evil in this world as is everything from every perspective, everything can be an evil. So it's like more about understanding how this stuff works and then adjusting your approach accordingly. And then also like knowing that if, if speaking truth is going to get you blackballed from an industry, it's not an industry worth participating in, but also that speaking that truth will bring the people towards you that resonate with you in terms of the things that you disagree with and how, business is being done. And sometimes it's, it makes you less popular, but it can bring the best business partners your way.
1: Control All you can do is control the energy in which you're willing to allow into your space. And if that energy is optimistic, um, helpful, um, thinks about teamwork and partnerships, like if that's the energy you're bringing in, you will be successful. If you are bringing in the energy of people who are competing with you, competing for attention, competing for it's a race of who's going to get the wealthiest. That tends to not work as well, because even these companies, most of these companies, when you look at the partnership between um, the partners at Google, you brought up Bill Gates, there's a lot to trash. But the thing is that there was a group of people who built something and reaped the rewards of building something together. And it took more than one person to do a Bill Gates gets all the credit, but Paul Allen was just as critical, if not yeah. more. Critical. Bomber. I mean, there's yep. there's a whole crew. There's a whole, there's crew, a whole crew of them, yeah. you know. And so that's find like-minded people and that that are headed in the same direction as you, and 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 lock in, you know. And then yeah. the other argument is that if if you're not able to do that, focus on yourself and what you can control on your own and build something on your own. That no one can take away from you.
0: This is why middle class people who get wealthy never end up in those wealthy circles socially. Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference between creating wealth and being rewarded for creating value and pursuing power. Yep. Yep. I, I think, think we, when
1: you spend most of your life in in the middle class world, you don't even understand like you were saying earlier, like these societies are, were already the, the bourgeoisie is already there. Like they're in their own world, um, and they're born into it. When you're not born into it, you're not going to know how to operate in that world. What you know is hard work, discipline, and you still have the fear of not having it tomorrow. You know what I mean? Um, and I think I think that that's 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 the truth. Is like you can't you can't be middle class and go to upper class and 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 fit into that world, maybe in two or three generations you can if 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 your family maintains that. But it's just I think there is so much value. It's like in staying grounded when it comes to these things. Like even if even if you're you're blessed to be second generation wealth, where your 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 parents were successful and has made your lifestyle easier. I think you see a big difference in the parents who keep their children grounded in reality and don't 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 splurge and 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 develop them without the thought of hey you have money to do whatever you want to do um you see a lot more success intergenerationally and that's why that that statement takes one generation to make it three generations to lose it it really comes down to how those people are developed and what type of what type of human beings you're developing regardless of what your bank account says
0: yeah Spot on, man. I, and I think this is—you know—these these moments are always great for reflection. I think corrections in markets are great for taking industries that have detached from reality and bringing them back. And that's that's what we're experiencing. It is sad in this situation because Silicon Valley Bank was a trusted and valuable partner for so many people in the startup industry in tech people who were trying to make the world a better place, innovating, trying to move the needle forward. And when you see that the financial players in that market are primarily responsible for putting one of those partners in this precarious of, of position simply due to their fears, it's disappointing to watch that play out. And it's disappointing because if you were a strong financial thinker, you wouldn't make the decisions that were made by so many of these um, these clients at the bank had. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. You see a play out. and I think you learn from it, you grow and and you move forward. But for all of us right now, this is one story. It's one highlight. This is um, one of a lot going on right now. Everyone's being affected by the craziness in the market in different ways. And um, know that whatever you're going through, it's not because you've done something wrong. These types of changes create fear in so many layers of the market that you're not even in touch with that if your landlord's acting like like a jerk, it may not be related to them why they're acting that way. And I think mm-hmm. it, this is a time where we can have a lot of love and empathy for each other because it is gonna be challenging.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very, very interesting um, interesting time this next year to two years, this banking situation obviously could have a ripple effect on markets as interest rates continue to go up um, as well. Like It's going to be a very, very challenging environment for, for most of society because the truth is most businesses, most, human, most people on a personal level are living on credit um, and sustaining on credit. And as the cost of that credit, paying back that credit goes up, you're digging yourself into a deeper hole. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm, I'm I'm hopeful the only check on that, right, is if you can create the value to balance that and not just continue to operate the same way, but make the adjustments that you need, both in business and personal life, to the environments that are at hand and understand that the best thing you can do is put yourself in a position to survive so that you can thrive on the other end of this, right? And it's like, that type of disciplined approach because more great businesses come out of economic hardship times of economic hardship because it forces people to be innovative and create new solutions to problems so although there there should be some some there's going to be some sadness some some struggle but if you can keep that perspective and just keep working on yourself and working on the things that you work on you will you will be positioned to be successful on the other side
0: yeah Well said, and I think on that note, it brings us to, to uh, the end of this episode. Um, you know let's keep our heads up, let's keep moving forward. Enjoy your life. Don't overstress about this finance stuff. The markets are mm-hmm. the markets. It's a cycle, it's part of and,
1: it. And make the bets you're going to make in life, right? Like even from a money perspective, don't be scared if you're an investor. Don't be scared uh, because of market environments to not trust your instincts and trust your understanding. It's like you know you have to take risk in life. And that comes with money, that comes with the decisions you make. Don't be scared to take those risks.
0: Exactly. And on that note, uh, always want to remind you to stay moving, be you, you as fly. Pilot Boys. Where are the Pilot, pilot. Boys then? Uh, let's go. Let's go. Pilot Boys, we get on up. We do fly, boys. the posgui-